0: Everyone,
1: we're back with another episode of SLPs Wine and Cheese. I'm Maria.
0: I'm Deb, and welcome our amazing guest. Hi, I'm Jessica Perez. Um, I'm from Montville, New Jersey, and I am a school psychologist. Um, I guess I was. So I practiced for seven years in a public school in New Jersey, and I actually resigned in June. So. Not practicing in a school. I'm technically not a school psychologist anymore. I am currently a neuropsychological technician uh, working underneath Dr. McGuire here. Um, and I've been doing that, you know, even when I was uh, still a school psychologist for like two or three years um, wow. with her.
2: I'm Dr. Leah McGuire. Uh, I have a practice in Wachung, New Jersey. I'm a licensed uh, clinical psychologist in New York. Uh, New Jersey and Pennsylvania. She's and a big I, shot. And I am, um, I'm a nationally certified school psychologist, um, and I specialize in pediatric neuropsychology. Oh wow. my goodness!
0: How did you have time to do all of that? Yes,
2: I feel so special.
0: <laughs> Just in your. I mind. do too. Sometimes I can't believe what Leah can accomplish in the same 24 <laughs> hours that I have. Wait, there's a
2: there's an impression that, like, Beyonce has 24 hours in a day, too, or something. So if we all hold ourselves against Beyonce,
1: <laughs> we're all disappointed. Right,
0: yeah, I've seen that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that is just too much pressure. So we're having a product of Italy. We're having fancy wine. We're having a Rivamonte. Or a Rivamonte. It's from Scout and Cellar, which is a very nice uh, company. This is a Prosecco wine. So this company, is uh, their grapes are totally organic and vegan, and they really pride themselves on the quality of their grapes because their wine has zero pesticides, zero preservatives, zero added chemicals, zero sugars, and zero animal byproducts. So it's really awesome. And we got this wine from Michelle Doyle. So if anybody wants to purchase this very fizzy and nice wine, you can find her on Nature's underscore yeah intention 2018 but we're gonna tag her in our post so um but anyway this Prosecco is very fizzy yeah which you know if you know I'm gonna let that up for interpretation it's very fizzy so we paired it with goat cheese to like balance the fizziness so I'm gonna vote drink it because the cheese helped it with the
0: fizziness but I, I like <laughs> yeah, bubbly wine I don't is a
1: baby <laughs> the word fizzy just keeps replaying in my head but it's light
0: it's light and fizzy but it's good I'm gonna I'm drinking it I am yeah. not gonna complain I vote drink it I, I like hot. Hot. I drink but it. I am also a fan of carbonated beverages right. like I like club soda and LaCroix and stuff so I like it and I vote drink it oh. And I like our cheese pairing that you gave us here with the goat cheese. What are you guys drinking? So it's a Cab Sav. It's from California. And uh, we don't have any of the details yeah. that you guys have about our wine, but
2: it has a government warning on it. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, how does it taste?
0: Yeah, it's really good. It's So it's a Cab Sav, so it's like not too bold, not too heavy. It's, it's smooth and it's easy and it's
2: come and I need it at the end of my
0: Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We all need it. Yeah, yeah I've had an insane and week. Of, it's just Tuesday. I can't believe it's only Tuesday. But, um, yeah, it's been crazy, so I hear that. Um, so let's get into some background information. Can you two take turns <laughs> and um, tell us a little bit about where you went to school, what inspired you to join the field, and what has your journey been like to where you are currently? Yeah, I'll go first with Jessica. I did my undergrad at Bucknell and my major was actually elementary education and Spanish. So I was a double major. I was going to undergrad to be an elementary teacher. And I got to my senior year, went to start my student teaching and was like, no, (laughs) something just doesn't, something just didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I grew up always wanting to be a teacher and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I love kids. I'm a kid at heart. Um, I was always super interested in like how kids learn. So I was like, duh, I'll be a teacher. Um, And then I just stumbled upon school psychology and was like, this might be more my speed. So um, after, after I graduated, I immediately applied to grad school and went to teachers college at Columbia university which Thanks. was awesome. Um, and obviously that is in New York state. So my training is actually in New York state's um, school psychology, okay. um, which is the, the laws and code and everything is a little bit different than New Jersey. Um, but it really helps being knowledgeable of what, what, how the code is a little bit different and how our roles are different in Jersey versus New York. Um, so, yeah, so that program is really clinically based. Um, so I got a lot of awesome clinical um, experience and then did my internship in the third year in Jersey, which was awesome because then I got a chance to kind of apply that to a school setting um, and graduated, ended up getting a job near the district that I was doing my internship. Chip and in, worked in that district for a year and then actually took over the position for um, my mentor during my internship, um, which was awesome. I really, I loved my district. They're amazing. Um, shout out to Hillsdale, New Jersey. <laughs> um, so I worked there for Six years and just resigned after I had a baby. Oh, so um, cute! Can we get used Here. to that? Uh, yeah, yeah, she's already in bed or else do do that. Cheers to babies. <laughs> um, so yeah, I resigned after I had her, and then um, I've been working yeah, I've been working with Leah as a, as a neuropsych technician and it's been, it's been awesome. Um, I've always had an interest in neuropsychology, so I love getting to still have my foot in, in the, in the waters of psych and neuropsych. Um, but, uh, still still being home with Evelyn. So it's been awesome. That's great. That's great that you have, like you get to do both that you found a balance between the two. Yeah. yeah and honestly, when I was working in a school. I'll- all the parents would look at me and be like, you, you don't get it. You're not a parent yet. Um, and I would look at them and be like, you're right. Like I'm not, I, I don't get it. Um, and I knew that I, some things would change when I became a parent, but, and it has, it, it really has. Um, you just, I, I can see things from, from more than one side so much more clearly now. And I think that's a, that's awesome. And it, it's good for parents to hear that, that I'm considering that and I kind of get where they're coming from. I think that they they're more willing to, to trust me and hear what I'm, Saying when I when I bring that up um, and use a little bit of my experience as a mom, uh, and it's awesome. Um, Yeah, so that's where I am now. So for me, it started in
2: kindergarten, and then (laughs) a short twenty-two years later, plus plus a two-year postdoc. Here I am. Um, No, I have a similar uh, story to Jesse here. So. I did undergrad at Bucknell. I was a psychology major. Uh, when I graduated from Bucknell, I got uh, three master's degrees in school psychology um, oh from Teachers College, Columbia. That is fantastic. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I have an EDM, a master's of arts, and a master's of philosophy. How um, long did that then... take? What, I'm like Doogie Hauser, I just started, <laughs> no, no. Um, so I stayed on, it was on my way to getting my PhD. So I ended up getting my PhD from Columbia. Um, the whole thing start to finish with six years. Okay. Um, and then, yeah. And then after yeah. that, uh, I did a two year postdoctoral fellowship um, in neuropsychology, which is uh, a requirement if, if you're going to, on to become board certified, you need that two year specialty. Um, And then clinically, I've worked in a lot of different settings, so I've worked in outpatient clinics, hospitals, um, day and residential treatment centers, public and private schools, uh, and currently I'm in private practice, um, and I uh, do neuropsych assessment there, and then I also am an adjunct professor at Columbia University, where I teach neuropsych assessment because I love it. And I used to do a lot of research on like PTSD and trauma and things like that at Bellevue hospital um, because I had the most amazing mentor at Columbia. And that's kind of what drove me into the PhD program there was really just connecting with this amazingly brilliant uh, mentor there. Um, And I always knew I was going to go into psychology because my uh, helping profession, my dad's a doctor, my mom's a nurse. Um, And then I ended up uh, shadowing my aunt, who's a school psychologist, (laughs) and thought, well, this is the coolest job ever. (laughs) So that's why I started on the school psych path. And then I met my amazing mentor and totally thought, why not hang out in school for another 1000 years and
0: and become a doctor? I love wow. it. I, I wanna be Doctor Deb one day. Yeah. So she does. So yeah. I don't, but uh, she does. I do. I'm gonna help her. I'm I like spoiler. the fizzy <laughs> wine, she, <laughs> does she doesn't. Does. Yeah, yeah. yeah the wine while you're in school. You okay. Know? I'll help you I'll out, drink girl. it then too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm wondering how both of you would like to impact or influence your fields. Yeah. So I guess I'm not really sure where the future holds for me as far as if I'll, I'll go back to working in a public school district in a couple of years, if I'll stay in the private practice realm. But um, when I was working in a school, I worked underneath a wonderful director and her big mentality was child first, like never forget why you're doing what you're doing. We're not, yes, I, I provided tons of services to, and we do provide services to parents and to schools and um, to teachers, but, but really we're here for the kids. So, um, in whatever placement and, and, you know, place that I'm going, I just, I, I think it's really important to always remember that like we're kids at heart. We were kids at one point too. We want just to be there for the kids.
2: Um, so I mean, I guess for me within the private practice setting, what I'm hearing from a lot of my colleagues is that you know, the kids that you guys are all servicing need so much from you guys and you feel kind of stuck for time and stuck for resources and like you can't give them, you know, all the time and energy that you would love to give to each and every kid. Um, And so I think one of the benefits of being in private practice is that, you know, we have that time to spend with each family, to spend with each child, to talk to everybody on their team. Um, to put all the pieces together to get everybody working together and communicating and so I mean for me the way I want to impact the field is just you know the kind of when I get my updates from families a few years down the road about all the things that are going so well for their kids Um, and those are you know my favorite emails in the whole world and my favorite phone calls in the world to get yeah
0: stay tuned after the break we're gonna talk about neuropsych This episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese is brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. It's a 100% SLP-owned website that specializes in practical, engaging, evidence-based video and audio courses. There's more than 600 hours of courses available on demand.
1: Yes, there are weekly live and interactive courses and pod courses. They offer unlimited plans starting at $89 a year. And now you can get $10 off with the code WINE. W-I-N-E. So enter wine at checkout.
0: So what exactly is a neuropsych evaluation?
2: The official definition of a neuropsych eval would just be kind of the relationship between behavior, emotion, cognition, and brain function. Um, But really what that means is we're looking at a whole lot of skills for these kids. Um, So we're going kind of across the board to see what their strengths are, what their needs are. um, And then most importantly, kind of what to do with those things, giving them a game plan of kind of what interventions they might need, what supports they might need, um, you know, what's going really well for them that they can use to help bolster areas of difficulty for them. Um, So for a lot of people, it's just a really great understanding of of who they are.
1: Why do people get these type uh, types of evaluations?
0: There's a million reasons. We, <laughs> we don't have enough. You can give me like time, time. to go through all of them. Um,
1: Three reasons.
0: I'll give you like two. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> oftentimes we have parents that come to us. Most of the time, it's parents coming to us looking for a private eval, and what they're really looking for is. Um, kind of a means to an end, the, the eval. They, they want us to kind of summarize maybe some things that they already know, some things that they don't know um, about their child. Um, and they're really looking for where do we go from here? Um, so these evaluations are super super broad um, and they look at a lot of different areas uh, from memory to learning to academic achievement to you language, know, Language. <laughs> we do some, we do language stuff um, of course, and you know, social, emotional stuff, and behavioral stuff. Um, and really the end goal is to, you know, how do we address all of these issues? And is there really one main thing that is causing any of these difficulties um, in their, in any areas of these functioning um, that these children are experiencing. So, um, I mean, a lot of times people are, I mean, neuropsych's not like you're typically like your first
2: stop because it's really time right. intensive and it's a lot of, you know, it's not like where you would first go. Um, but yeah, usually if there's a referral from like a school or a speech and language provider, psychologist, psychiatrist, pediatrician, whoever it is, um, it's typically because something's going on with that kid and they're doing all the best work that they can for that kid and not seeing any. Uh, progress or any growth. And so they're saying, and I'm sure you guys have patients like this or students like this, where you're saying like, I might be missing something. Is there something else going on? I didn't think about, like, I think it's an expressive language disorder, but like, but what else is it? What's happening? And so a lot of times kids will come in with incorrect diagnoses. Um, So for example, I've had kids come in with an anxiety disorder and the therapist is doing the best treatment for anxiety and they're on great meds for anxiety um but it turns out that they have premenstrual dysphoric disorder and they really just need a birth control pill um or i've had kids come in diagnosed with like adhd um and so everyone's saying they're not paying attention when i'm talking they're ignoring me and it turns out it's a receptive language disorder Um, So they're not consistently understanding the language that's being used. And so, of course, they're zoning out the same way, like, you know, if someone spoke to me in Spanish, my Spanish skills, unlike Jesse who majored in it, my (laughs) Spanish skills are not that great. Um, And so if you're going to speak to me in Spanish, I don't consistently understand you and I'm going to zone out at some point and possibly look inattentive. Um, So a lot of times it's just getting that clarity and then from that clarity, having a really great game plan. Yeah. Wow. Right. So
0: it just helps to get to a more specific diagnosis so that you can best assist that person. Yeah. Game plan really. Yeah,
2: and then the other piece is just like like even like to have a diagnosis of of ADHD or something like that, that can be super vague. Yeah. Um so what does that mean? Or a diagnosis of, of anxiety? What does that even mean for people? Um so the neuropsychaval goes kind of a step further. So for example, for ADHD, it might be like, Yeah, sure, you have ADHD, we already knew that, but like Your auditory attention is terrible. Your visual attention is great. Um, You have trouble with inhibition, which means like you have trouble kind of thinking before you act. You might be saying things without thinking about it or grabbing stuff. Or maybe your working memory is really terrible. So when you're like holding stuff in your mind and shifting it around, it's getting lost. Um, So it kind of helps like tailor the interventions because we know exactly where the areas of deficit are. I um, like I um, want so we can build it. them up. I think I have that.
0: all those things. I also <laughs> I also want an MRI because I want to see my brain.
1: I think I it probably looks
0: good. I feel like that's probably <laughs>
1: unnecessary exposure to radiation,
0: but. Yeah. yeah. Maria, but
1: this, is no, but, right? <laughs> this is less intensive, yes. right? This is less intensive. Yeah. So this is a. Good
0: it is a shame. What'd you say? Yeah. I'll just say it's a shame that we know all of these tests because I've always said I made a huge mistake not having like someone else in the program that was like a couple years older than me administer them to me because right. I'm so curious as to how I would perform on them. Very, like, well. I st- very well I still very well you say that but like <laughs> sometimes I feel like oh my god like I really don't know what this answer is like I have to look and see before the kid answers um <laughs> I'm so curious super to deep. me in kindergarten right yes <laughs> Like, they have these like specific targets for like the P testing for books and stuff. And then they're like, I'm like, I don't know what's the same. They're like, oh, these toys are alive, uh, are not alive, but the dog is alive, (laughs) but they can all be played with. And I'm like, okay, well, no one, I had no idea. There's an
1: also like the big brown dog ate <laughs> all of the cat's food and it's like they have we have some tests where they have I guess that's working memory auditory recall. Oh, I'm like, those right. sentences are crazy and this, like six year old got it. And I'm like, what is it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sometimes so.
0: it's like, Do you remember the sentence and then they say it and I'm like yeah. wait, did that, is that yeah, what see, it was? It sounded
1: good though. <laughs> yeah. like yeah. That's why it's good to record your evals <laughs> yeah. to go back. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. that we have the answers on our yeah yeah we need that we, we need all the answers. answers are facing us <laughs> that's good great so um what do you have any children that you adapt the psychological testing for um i'm i was thinking about this because um like i work in a school with kids with severe communication disorders um and uh Like a lot of times it's hard to get how do you get like the verbal IQ or if the child is nonverbal or just like different accommodations or how do you adapt a test? And that's probably difficult. Yeah. So I'm just curious, like what your experience in that has been.
2: Yeah, I love the question. So sometimes there are just tests that are straight up like the nonverbal IQ test. So that's a no brainer because you just would grab that one. Um, but a lot of the times it's just kind of being creative with the tests yeah. that we do have. So, um,
0: well, even not breaking standardization like there are certain, um, levels of like queries and prompts and like, you know, repetitions that we can give a kid. So if they have 80, you know, or maybe not diagnosed ADHD yet, but if they're all yeah. over the room and they're not looking and they say, what, like, can you repeat that again? And we say, no. It's going to look like they maybe don't know the answer, but really it was their behavior that got in the way of them even hearing the answer, and then they couldn't. Uh, respond so sometimes we will what we call like testing the limits i don't know if you guys do that too sometimes in your evals but we'll give the test according to full standardization procedures and then we'll go back or while we're doing it we'll just make note on the protocol like that we were testing the limits here we didn't follow standardization and with these modifications they were able to give the correct answer we'll come across that sometimes with kids who have expressive language disorders they'll come in Either they're not able to express themselves, but if we say, is it this or this, they can point to it. And then we know that at least they have that knowledge in their head. They just can't express it. And it's as a result of their disorder. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and we'll we'll write that in our report. We're really mindful of really explaining what that means in our report in a very parent-friendly way.
2: And there are, like, so there are measures that definitely – Jesse said, and there are also measures that tease it out a bit further, so one of the commonly used IQ tests is the WISC, um, but there's also something called the WISC integrated, which again is like, if a child couldn't express it for some reason, there's like a multiple choice format where they can point to the word and things what like I'm that. Wexler. Um, Wexler? Oh, Wexler? Wexler.
0: it's spelled okay. Wechsler I think it's
2: like tomato, tomato. I think you're both
0: correct. Just they, say the WISC. <laughs> like the beija, the Right.
2: <laughs> yes. Um, sometimes... <laughs> It's more like it's more fun than that. So like I don't know if you guys ever use the BAME test of basic concepts speech and language providers, but it looks like kind of the fifty minutes. I don't do evaluations at
1: all. I was gonna about evaluations. We
2: have a lot
1: of uh, students that are bilingual. So uh-huh. a lot of times those tests are not necessarily standardized on children who have like a second language for an emerging language. So I was wondering about like those assessments, probably the same thing, right? A lot of the standardized yeah, tests
2: so are, the we same, are or similar. We, they are standardized for us. Yeah. So they're standardized on different languages. Um, and then, so like the BAME looks at like basic concepts, for example, and so it'll be like point to right, point to left, point to last. And I had a patient come in who was super inattentive for everything that wasn't high school musical. Um, So, I recreated wow. the entire Bane Test of Basic Concepts using like Zach Efron and all the other characters. And it was like, point to the Zach on the left. Okay. point to the furthest Zach. You can give me Zach. Um, so, email. we got Prince
1: okay. Penguin. <laughs> yeah,
2: okay. Sounds good for you. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. I-, I hope that one's like laminated, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'll take
2: that. It it's out. laminated fruit. For All the drool and things like that, yeah, exactly. Um, that's pretty great. creative in our setting, Not really. Right, <laughs> the Zach Efron. Zac <laughs> Efron. Can,
0: I ha- can I request a, um, a Ryan Gosling cut? Yeah. Oh, I will score high on that one, yeah. I'll yeah. That one, too. Oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just uh, yeah, we'll have a we'll have a Flathead created for you. So really, it's not Jessica Perez that's giving you the avow. It's <laughs> Ryan Gosling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. not, and not at all creepy. Yeah. Not at all yeah. creepy. Yeah. It's like, hey, girl, we're your <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All
2: right, that sounds Pretty like amazing. a lot. Of- I feel like we could de- we could yeah. design a whole battery for you around all all of your celebrity crushes. Yes. Okay. But yeah. We can-
0: to get creative.
2: Yeah. And we do a lot of environmental changes just because that's more helpful for the classroom. So that's stuff you guys can do in your sessions too. So it's stuff like if I put a piece of velcro under the table, does that help with your attention? If you're sitting on a balance disc, does that help your attention? So that kind of stuff as well.
0: Yeah, we'll like informally do that stuff during the sessions because that'll be helpful then when we are writing the report and making recommendations to the parent for home, the teachers for school. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And what I I mentioned, I don't do evaluations, but I do like uh, small assessments quarterly just to measure progress. And I do find like I like to, one, anybody who I have who struggles to maintain attention, um, I always give give them a yoga ball and Play-Doh just so that like their body is busy so that I can have their brain. For that little assessment so that I can have all of their best answers, and I do find that it, it does help them significantly, but then I'll always, like you mentioned, test the limits of it, so I want to know how much assistance that individual needs to get it 100%, and sometimes it's like just an example because they don't know that analogy or they don't really, they can't think of what is the opposite of of well, entrance that was the everyone nobody could think of the opposite of entrance i'm like the sign is everywhere how do you know you can leave what does that red sign say right <laughs> so sometimes it's just like background knowledge that they don't have and i don't want to like score them um in an area where they're they're actually fine so right. i do see what level of assistance they require and what type of assistance like maybe they just need more like visuals or maybe they just benefit from repetitions. I benefit from repetitions. Next up, we talk about some common disorders, but first, a commercial break. Hey, SLPs. Do you know what a throat scope is? It's like a clear tongue depressor that lights up. We all know how important it is to do a really thorough oral mechanism examination before starting therapy. But really, how can you see what's going on if there's no light and if you're using a tongue depressor made of wood and it's blocking the things that you're looking at? Well, you're in luck because Throat Scope is what can help you figure it all out. Throat Scope improves patient oral examination and outcomes because it integrates a natural light source to provide a complete intraoral illumination for improved patient examination and outcomes. So if you want to learn more about Throat Scope, check them out on Instagram at Throat Scope or check out their website, ThroatScope.com. Now, back to the show. We're you in our intro. No! <laughs> so I'm wondering if we can talk about a couple different types of disorders, just ones that I hear about quite often. So... First off, um, anxiety disorders. I feel like currently in today's society, very many people, um, they have anxiety and they also um, might wrongfully claim to have anxiety. So can you tell us a little bit about um, what anxiety entails and like maybe how to distinguish from um, ordinary worry?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So first, I love that you distinguished worry from Anxiety, that's a really good point that sometimes it is really about semantics. Um, And so a lot of people do experience daily worries, um, but they're not really, that worry isn't impacting them in a functional way. Um, And so it's not really something um, that's hindering their ability to get through their day. Um, And they're they're still doing very well. Um, But on the other hand, there are some people who experience uh, symptoms that might be consistent with a generalized anxiety disorder.
0: Yeah. And so the uh, we'll refer to it as a GAD.
2: Yeah, GAD, um, generalized GAD. anxiety disorder. Yeah.
0: So it can look a little different in adults versus children. So um, in the criteria, if you're looking for diagnosing a child with generalized anxiety disorder, only one of these following symptoms is actually required for the diagnosis um, and of the, yeah, which would be different from an adult who would need at least three or more of the following six symptoms. So, um, just keep that in mind when I'm reading these. So restlessness or feeling keyed up or on edge. I mean, you guys, you guys can keep track. You tell me what you think. If you you feel like you have these, (laughs) you guys can answer. So restlessness or feeling keyed up or on edge. No, I I like to sleep. I like to, yeah, no, I don't ever, (laughs) I don't have Okay. Here's the next one: being easily fatigued. Yes. No. <laughs> I'm. I'm kind of worried. How come I'm, I have too much energy? So okay. I kind of agree. <laughs> I'm
1: like, where do you find it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. What about difficulty concentrating or mind going blank? Now, someone
1: talking is boring. Like, all right, I get it. You collect coins, you know. I don't know, something like that. Even so, something I'm not interested. I can in. help
0: <laughs> in on that coin conversation. Oh no, I, I feel bad. to anyone collects coins,
1: <laughs> I would probably try to find something to talk about. But you know what I mean.
0: Yeah. No, I, I have, mm-hmm. I, I can focus on a bad things now. pretty easily. I think. <laughs> <laughs> what about irritability? And I guess you guys can answer for each other if the other one is irritable. No. Oh, thanks. No, I don't think that either of us are irritable, but, um, yeah, I'm definitely not. I should get a little bit more irritated. You probably should. I should, actually. but I don't. I don't understand the point. I tell Deb to get irritated. <laughs> Why? Well, I think it's True. true. does get wrinkles. <laughs> I don't want to get All irritated. i right. get myself All wrinkles. wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What about muscle tension? Um, I do notice that. So like sometimes I have to be mindful of where my shoulders are because often they're quite up close to my ears. Um, and I also clench my jaw. So, yeah. Those somatic complaints are actually really common in kids. A lot of them will say that like their belly hurts, you know, um, or headaches. they have headaches or um, yeah, they feel like tight up here. Um, that's mm-hmm. a super common symptoms that kids will report. Uh, and then the last one is a sleep disturbance. So either difficulty falling asleep, difficulty staying asleep, having unsatisfying sleep, like you wake up in the morning, even though you know you slept seven hours, you're still like exhausted.
1: Well, I have that, but I also have sleep apnea. And that's what I think it's diff- where it's difficult when there's like other things happening with the child. Like, you know, we see,
2: yeah. I like love it. Mild, I feel like-
1: our myofunctional I feel like- episode, like the big tonsils can cause like a sleep disturbance which causes lethargy which causes poor attention in class and like it all comes back to like yeah they have large tonsils so it's just
2: it's so much yeah. thanks no, I, love, I love that you said that i feel like you're like an audience plant for us because i mean what i one thing we want to say is that um that's kind of the benefit of the neuropsych is that you know you can have a lot of different characteristics and symptoms for a lot of different reasons so Like you said, sleep disturbance can be caused by a a different sleep disorder um, or or even just like difficulty concentrating. Of course, that could be related to something else, whether it's diagnostically or environmentally. And so um, a lot of people who do come in, uh, and I had spoken a little bit earlier about this, but like with a generalized anxiety disorder, it could be misdiagnosed. So we talked about patients who've come in with generalized anxiety disorder and it turns out to be hormonally-based um, and it's premenstrual dysphoric disorder and you send them to their OB and, and a birth control pill can assist them with that. Um, and so, you know, just for people who are listening, I don't want them to necessarily go through all these symptoms and say like, oh my gosh, I have that thing. Right. Um, Cause there are a lot of explanations. Come to us for a neuropsych eval, we can rule it out <laughs> for you. Um, you know, but the other pieces of Right.
0: Right.
2: don't so. um don't just go what is that Like what is that danger yeah so i think you know there is some danger to just going through and saying yes to symptoms um if you do feel like you do experience a lot of anxiety that's functionally impacting you whether it's in work or school or in your social life uh lives i do think it's important to get support Some really effective treatment for generalized anxiety disorder is called cognitive behavioral therapy, and it has a lot of research behind it. So, if anyone's listening and they think that possibly they have this, you know, it can't hurt to go talk to somebody about it.
0: Right, because also our entire field, all of rehab is based on neuroplasticity. So, if somebody can have a stroke and then relearn behaviors, then you at 30 are able to go to therapy and make your um, mental health more aligned with success. Uh, so it's not like it's ever too late. And sometimes I think yeah. just not talking about something for a long time allows things to fester. And then within your head, like you, it gets built up more and more. So, mm. but like if you just gave yourself an outlet, then maybe um, you can alleviate some of your anxiety. Yeah, but, uh, and a lot, of it,
2: a lot of it is just like, uh, you know, maybe you're having thoughts that aren't super helpful thoughts. So, you know, the same event can be experienced a lot of different ways. Like you can be on a roller coaster and be like, this is great. When do they take my picture? I have to smile for it. Or you can be on that same roller coaster thinking like, I saw a documentary, this is how I die. Um, you know, so a
0: lot of it has to do with your thinking right. patterns. Yeah. Which is what it's what the core of CBT really addresses. Yeah. What you were talking about earlier when you said like not getting satisfying sleep, I think I get satisfying sleep, but it is difficult for me to wake up because I do have this kind of this process where I lay in bed thinking about all of the things I have to do that day and all of the energy that it will require and the length of time it will be before I get back to the bed. And I think... (laughs) That just, I, I know what you mean. That just gives me a little bit of overwhelm where I'm like, I just want to stay here. I don't care if I'm late. Like,
1: <laughs> just, you miss your bed while you're still while in While I'm the still bed. in it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so long it's until so we long. see each other
0: again. And I'm going to have to go out there <laughs> and sing and dance and blow bubbles. <laughs> but I love my job. I mean, but I think...
2: You bring up a good point about just like sleep is a really important thing and I think all of us without sleep are pretty terrible people Um, and so when people do come in for neuropsych evals, in addition to like the vision and the hearing and all the things, the language, um, we also look at things like sleep and nutrition um, because those can play a huge role in how you're functioning in your day to day.
1: The Ashton Journal actually had an article about that. See, I read that. That's our article our, from our association. Our yes, they give some some uh, some uh, some, uh, some uh, research articles, and they talked about the importance of sleep, and just, like, and, like really, like, in a nutshell, any little issue someone can have, it's like, oh, it could be from lack of sleep. Like, right, yeah. Like, anything. Like, just... Because like, it's, like, how something. your
0: brain kind of, like, modulates. Right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: I think some of these things are symptoms in some settings, but also, like, strengths in other ways, if that makes sense. So, like, you might be like, oh, I'm super anxious in this one way, but also that makes me, like, really meticulous and attentive to details. So, like, it's not necessarily...
0: In- <laughs> yeah. So, like, I think that it has something to do with, like, why many creatives do have these, like, um, presentations. Bro, I was personality. Yeah. yeah, I
2: mean... It it reminds me a lot of even just like ADHD. Um, And when you talk about that, that like like in a school setting, they might say like, oh, Jane is so off topic with her writing. She's always tangential. But right in a comedy club, you're saying like, man, is she clever. She's so outside of the box. She has these great ideas that no one would think of in a tech startup company. You're like, right. man, nobody thought of that. Yeah. Right. That um,
0: really great off the cuff. Going so back. now, yes. yes. What can you tell us What's, about ADHD yeah, and hyperactivity disorder? The presentation. So obviously in a school setting, I feel like one of the most commonly seen symptoms um, that every, every child has is e- either they are inattentive and or hyperactive. But that symptom could mean a million different things, especially in a school setting. Like you can have a kid that's presenting as inattentive when really they have massive anxiety, and that's just how they're presenting their anxiety. Um, you can have kids that are hyperactive and are trying to um, almost get out of the situation and like distract you when really they're also anxious. Um, so, inattentive and hyperactivity, they're symptoms, but um, really the, the core of ADHD is, like you said, Maria, it is, um, is difficulty with your executive functioning processes, which is in your frontal lobe. It's all of your planning and organization and inhibition and, and those kinds of skills.
2: I call it the mom of your brain. Like yeah. it's the mom of your brain that's like, don't pay attention to that thing over there. Your teacher's talking. or like, remember <laughs> your calculator. You need it today. Um, and so a lot of parents, when they come in, will be like, oh, I do all that for my kid. Um, but I mean, Jesse made a good point that a lot of kids might symptom wise check out as having ADHD, but that's why it's so important to go into the classroom and see, like, are you
0: inattentive? Cause like you're sitting on a thumbtack and that's distracting you. Um, and or the also- kid next to you, it won't stop talking. And so you can't pay attention either. Well, yeah. So it's really important to do that classroom observation. Like
1: maybe that like a lot of students have like an undiagnosed vision impairment. I went to a whole PD on that, like number, like. It was yeah. A, yeah. presented by an occupational therapist. And she was like, first thing is, I yeah. can't even see, you know, like, or a hearing impairment. So those are like, yeah, yeah. that's a rule out. When I know
0: she, like four people who as kids, they got glasses and they were like, whoa, like, <laughs> I, this I is can, what the world looks like. I, like
2: I feel like the vision, the hearing, the language piece, like all of that really has to be assessed as well. So when people are coming in, I mean, one of the first questions we check in on is when was your last vision and hearing eval? How was it? Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll send them right down the hallway to get their hearing checked because, you know, we can't be saying it's ADHD if it's not. Right. Um but I mean I think you know ADHD is another one of those things that like if it wasn't evolutionarily advantageous to have it for so many years everybody with ADHD would not be here with us today. So like for example like back when we were hunters like if some you're going to go seek out new food sources even though you might have an okay food source but you want to know what's happening next um or you might yeah. <laughs> um, or for example um you know, you might be focused on something, but if someone's coming to attack you or an animal's coming to attack you, you're going to notice that because you're going to shift your attention over to that item that people who are hyper-focused might not see. And there's a lot of research that shows that a lot of really successful people actually have ADHD. So there's a very high number of CEOs and companies that have ADHD because um, they're outside of the box thinkers, they're willing to take risks, and who's making sure that they get to their appointment on time, And they have their pen and pencil with them. They have people. They have a secretary. Um, So there's a lot of research to show that ADHD can be really helpful. There was just research done on um, contributions of children to group settings, and it showed that kids who had ADHD had more creative ideas to contribute to the group. Um, So, in a lot of ways, you know, I do talk about, you know, I guess the DSM 5, which we use to diagnose, talks a lot about symptoms, but a lot of these things are really just qualities about a person. Um, and in some ways they're really advantageous to that person In other ways you can get in their way.
0: Right. Right. I've been reading so many articles just about like, um, dealing with ADHD on a daily basis and like, um, how to deal with, like how to relate to people with ADHD, but then also Instagrams that are strictly about ADHD and just kind of like for the first time ever, is it being brought to my attention, like, all of the benefits of having, um, ADHD because of all the things that you're saying. I can't remember yeah. if the ADD attitude magazine or something like that. Um, I'll tag it in the show mm-hmm. notes so that people can follow that. Yeah. But it's very, it's very helpful, I feel. Yeah, it's also awesome to to tell parents this uh, when you're talking to a parent and giving a feedback after maybe diagnosing their child with ADHD. it's I always find that parents are so uh, surprised to hear these positive things we have to say about ADHD because probably in the past, all they've heard are the negative aspects of their child's inattention or hyperactivity. Likely from the school, all they're hearing is how it's getting in the way. It's 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 they can't do this because of it. They can't do that because of it. So when we're the first person to say anything positive about those symptoms, they're surprised and obviously so relieved. And what's wonderful is in a school setting, once a child becomes fourteen, and I think you talked about this in the last podcast too, um, that's when a child starts to become a part of the IEP process and their um, and their meetings. And it's really helpful. For to share that feedback as a case manager to the child and be like, listen, this might be your diagnosis and you might think this, this and this about your symptoms and your, you know, difficulties, but here are all of the strengths uh, that come out of these, uh, this part of you. And it's really awesome to be able to share that with these kids and these families and parents. Um,
2: And we do in our office, we actually do feedbacks like for
0: most ages, you know, if
2: they're cognitively able to attend it and we might not give them a label, but we might call it like, hey, you know how you're feeling really wiggly in class? Like, yeah, you have the wiggle fidgets, you know? And that's what happens when you're a wiggly guy. Um, So just giving them some terms. Um, But I mean, the same is true for autism. I think, you know, when you think about autism as being like uh, a hyper-awareness to your environment, like how wonderful is that to be able to be in touch with all the small components of your environment that a lot of the neurotypical population just, doesn't get to appreciate or know about
0: yeah right being so interesting interested in that sensory stimuli like that somebody else might bypass and not you know appreciate for for Mm -hmm. what it is tactilely I don't know
1: right that's a a positive spin on it but when it affects them in school and in every aspect of their life that's when that's right the disorder you know that's in a, in a nutshell you know like they can't focus on what the teacher's saying because the light is so bright or whatever you know whatever yeah. or something here so you know they didn't get sleep that day something is yeah. like that you know um, but
2: I mean so I definitely I definitely agree with you on that but I also think part of the problem can be the environment yeah like sometimes to me I'm like isn't it weird that we expect kids starting at the age of five to sit for eight hours a day like that's a very strange thing that we've invented
0: (laughs) yeah it is I'll just you know if if I'm asking them questions and they're answering them and they're skipping around my room I'll ask them to sit down but if they don't I'll just move on I'm just still asking the question right to get that because I just want to be able to focus on the language and maybe they have been cemented to care for too long and they just need some sort of like physical outlet. Exactly and the reality is that if they're going to see you it's probably because in some way speech and language is difficult for them so the least you could do was to make it enjoyable in other ways because the speech and language stuff is probably hard for them right but I also feel like when you try to uh restrain someone they try to rebel so it's like often when you let them be a little bit more free then they demonstrate more skills so it's like is their speech and language so significantly impacted or is it like physically they're they're like dying to just move and that's why they can't focus on what you're asking them because they're too fixated on the fact that they're sick of sitting in this chair and staring at Writing and doing stuff like that.
1: Well, with kids with autism, it's a bit okay. of both. So you have to like it's like a fine line because I have like some kids like they they really can not be roaming around the room for my half hour session. You know, we need to have like rules and expectations in the in the session. But like yeah, after fifteen minutes of sitting and they I see them getting jittery, I will give a break. You know, so that's like I think a fine line. Or before we sit, we'll do like some type of movement. I have a ball. I have a yoga mat we'll do something or if I see them getting antsy we'll try some deep breaths no but I can't just let them hang out hang out for half hour well they're not hanging out oh, yeah, they're I talking just, to me yeah I'm just saying but I'm, I don't I'm have straight. anybody
0: who's so um severely impaired right. that like I need to do that and right. they all demonstrate this yeah. like soldier like following directions throughout the entire school day so I have no concern right. about their ability to do that um all they do is talk about like oh I got changed to red today or I got a (laughs) consequence so they're completely aware of like what to do I get it yeah but it's yeah I feel like like, setting them up to
2: be successful in your office almost because you're like yeah, it's okay for you to do X, Y, and Z
0: as long as we're still getting my stuff done. That's,
2: yeah,
1: that's
0: how I feel. I mean, I only have thirty minutes, and I don't even have thirty minutes right. when it comes down to like going to get them, getting them settled, getting them packed up, and getting them back, doing whatever. Taking
1: data, writing
0: session notes,
1: you know, all that fun paperwork, stuff.
2: Paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> <It's actually laughs> real here. Paperwork, paperwork. <laughs> Weren't you just passionate about paperwork and that's how you
0: became SLPs? Oh my god. You know yeah. I mean, it sounds like you're the perfect candidate for private practice. I know, but not yet. I want to be a P. I want my PhD first. Oh, I feel like you could do both. Not right now. I'm very busy. I'm okay, also an yeah. adjunct professor. Yes. So, oh, Deb. it's too much. Again, Deb is going to do all the yeah.
1: stuff and I'm going to support her with <laughs> wine on the sidelines, you know? Wine?
0: here's to that
1: <laughs> i like you do all that deb and i will i will be there thank I will you be there okay you. yes yeah
0: i wanna um <laughs> i, wanna do, I yeah. wanna do all the things
1: deb wants to do all the things all the things yes and i'm good with just going with the flow with, <laughs> with the things <laughs> as a result of the things
0: <laughs> so um The last disorder I wanna talk about that's commonly um, misunderstood is schizophrenia. And I know this is something that can't really be diagnosed in childhood, um, but you can have uh, conduct disorders, right? So can you tell us a little bit about that? I actually have a question before we answer this. Do you really see kids with schizophrenia or like are in the prodromal stage of schizophrenia in your schools? I, you haven't
1: seen schizophrenia, but I have heard of pan, pandas, which is the undiagnosed um, strep throat that looks like schizophrenia. I haven't had anyone with that, but I've heard. Oh, that.
0: I haven't. One oh. of experience. so you're thinking for
2: that. of pandas, and it looks like a, an obsessive compulsive like- disorder. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Or it looks but like, it's like actually just
2: stuff. related to. that.
0: I mean, it can present, it can present, I think it actually varies um, based on, based on the child. But I've seen that when the child is sick and ill and has the strep infection, I see what I've experienced at least is the child presents with a lot of anxiety, like increase yeah. in anxiety um, and also some depress- depressive bouts too as a result of the, the, the strep bacteria. It's wild. It's crazy. Yeah. That I haven't, happened- I mean,
2: yeah, I guess from our, yeah, from our perspective, the schizophrenia, like it's, you know, it's things like delusions, hallucinations, um, for you guys, it would kind of look like disorganized speech, um, some catatonic behavior, or like really disorganized behavior, um, and then kind of things just like a lack of things, so things like a lack of emotional expression, things like that. Um, I've had it come up when I worked in like day-in residential treatment, um, that I had patients who had like PTSD. From very traumatic backgrounds and then schizophrenia as well. Um, and it was uh, just hard for them to stay grounded in reality a lot of the time. Um, so they'd get kind of sidetracked by different things. I mean, the one thing that comes to mind is I have like a zippy pouch that I had prizes in, and that was like a face. Um, and I, one of my patients got into like a very big, heated argument with the zippy monster pouch thing. Um, and so I quickly realized that that was just like a really inappropriate thing for me to even have. It was while I was training, but like, I shouldn't even have that zippy pouch in my session with that child.
0: And now, you know,
2: I don't use it anymore.
0: (laughs) All right. So we're almost at our tips and tricks and closing quote segment. But first we want to remind you that you can follow us on Instagram at SLP's wine and cheese pod, underscore between each word. You can follow us on Patreon. You go to slash SLP's wine and cheese. We will be uploading a bunch of freebies, um, also bonus episodes of the podcast, as well as um, video content. So check out the Patreon. It's always changing. And finally, we will be. Celebrating our one-year anniversary show at the Creek in the Cave in Long Island City on Friday, May 31st at 7.30 p.m. We're going to have live music, and we're going to have um, Maria and myself. We're going to host a show, and we're going to have four comedians on the show, and we'll have them on as guests. So uh, it'll be a really fun show to watch. It'll be a really fun show to listen to if you're too far away. Um, but we look forward to everyone tuning in. Yep.
1: All right. So who wants to, I'll get, I'll go my, with my tip or trick. Okay. So my tip or yeah. trick is to <laughs> refer for a psycho educational eval. I'm inspired. It's my new goal for myself to pick a tip or trick that's inspired by the episode but just as an xlp if there's a student you're working with don't be shy to bring up it is a tough topic to bring up to parents and i've had to bring it up before and you just ask something like have they seen anyone else outside of me you know just bring up those somewhat uncomfortable topics but just you know don't be shy to refer out so refer out Mm -hmm. that's my tip or trick
0: um my trick is to um give the child something that's going to keep their body busy
1: right yeah I know mine is something you could apply tomorrow yeah but
0: maybe you could call them and be like how's it going you know or you could just you know you can let it stir you can let it stir in your brain but I like to give kids play-doh um and I and I and I don't we don't play with play-doh all the time play-doh is only for like certain occasions and I also only buy one color so it can't get mixed right so yes. I only have pink Play-Doh. Or
1: we didn't get to talk about OCD. You know, we didn't get to <laughs> <know. Is> talk about <laughs> OCD. I me And yeah.
2: The mixing of the have colors. You tried the, um, have you tried the Orbeez beads? They're like the Orbeez beads and you add water and they're very tactile and kids can play with them. Doing water is-
0: I keep telling myself I'm going to buy water beads, but I haven't yet. I haven't felt motivated make it to make now. Right, right now. Yet. Right but now. I do... Um, <laughs> My like them. my students, they have to earn uh 200 points for their next party, and they're all at, like, 150 right now. So last time we did slime and popcorn, so maybe this time we'll do, like, water beads and pizza on two different – because everyone mostly is oh, twice You so, tell me when they earn that, because I'd like to come. That sounds yeah. wonderful. I want it.
2: Yeah, so you <laughs> need 200 more points. I need 200, 200. points. Okay. <laughs> the
0: I have other thing be, is I have to think they're Desirable. The table is a good sleeping trick. Yeah. I just, I heard you say that earlier. That's a great idea. Velcro under the table. I know. Yes. It'll be on,
2: it'll be on Prime later. It'll be at your door by tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Right. Super subtle. So easy. You can put it anywhere. You stick it under any desk and you're done. I'm going to do that. I actually got yeah, my habit. It's like, oh, right. Someone's got to have it in a school system. Yeah. Right. So my tip or trick is this. I got this in grad school and it's my best friend and I love this timer. It's a silent timer. Um, It's called the Micron, Micron, Microne if you want to look at it. And it's just got like three buttons, a lap, like if you want to keep track of it that way, a start or a stop, and then an on-off. And I love using it during sessions, especially with our kids that have a difficult time um, sustaining attention or they want to um, guide what we're doing. Like they want to play the game like they want to tell me the rules of the game when really I'm like, no, we're doing block design and you have to follow my like you have to make you have to copy my designs. I can't copy yours right now. I'll be like, listen, two minutes on the timer for me and then you get a minute. Um, I feel like it really helps the kids, um, uh, who don't like understand time and taking turns. It really helps them t- to be grounded in this. And there's really no arguing. There's no arguing because it's, right. look, it's been two minutes. I told you it was going to be two minutes. Now it's been two minutes. Now it's, now it's my turn, um, to work. And then I'll set it on. It's not my call. It's the timer. It's I the time. Timer. Right. <laughs> right. Um, Um, I love using this and and it's silent which is great because a lot of our assessments you do have to time a kid um for to see how quickly they can do something so the start and the stop is silent which I love because that could be distracting and annoying to a lot of kids too yeah it's much great there aren't too many sounds that, that bother me, but uh, alarms really do annoy me because I think I just associate <laughs> them with waking up and yeah. that's like the hardest thing I do every day. Well, that's the purpose of an alarm, though. To jolt you. No. Well, I don't yeah. like to be jolted. Well, you know. Maybe like you got to get one of those, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you one of these, okay? Yes. Yeah. Send Thank you. me your address. I'm sending you one.
2: <laughs> you have apps that you I read this article that the first thing yeah. I'm wake up First 10 minutes is the worst after you wake up and after that you're fine and now every time I wake up I just think like okay it's only gonna be 10 minutes that'll be bad and then after
0: that I'll be okay I'm so positive I love it yeah. um nice. yeah I keep I I've been trying that I guess, I guess I go through phases too you know it's hard but but right. yeah,
2: it is only the first 10 minutes. She's right. <laughs> I have um, a really amazing alarm clock. It's called a 14-month-old baby boy. <laughs> yeah. And he gets me up pretty quickly at his whim. Um, but I guess my tip or trick is not really so much a trick, but it's just um, just to talk to each other and talk to other people. And if you're working with a kid, to talk to everybody on that kid's team. Um, to get that parent to sign a consent so you can talk to the pediatrician, the psychologist, the psychiatrist, the OT, the PT, the speech and language provider, whoever it is. I think um, I absolutely love working with these children and their families. Um, One of the most amazing parts of our job is really just getting to speak with all of you guys. You guys are doing amazing work and we have so much to learn from each other. Um, This podcast that you're doing is incredible i love that you're bringing different people on so that everyone can keep, just keep learning from different fields um every time i talk to an slp i learn really cool things whether it's tests i should be using or interventions that they think are you know great interventions to use with a specific kid and i just think talk to everybody you're not in it alone this kid has a team and it takes a village yeah
0: can you hear that thank you for my finger snap <laughs> yeah, jesse you're welcome.
2: Girl. It, we it dropped a mic.
0: <laughs> Over here, dropped the mic. It can feel like rather isolating too if you don't branch out and you don't reach out, and you shouldn't feel like you have to know everything because you can't. Mm-hmm. So it's better to reach out. All right. Well, we yeah. like to end our episodes with an inspirational quote. Do you have quotes that you two kind of tell yourselves each day? Yeah. We in, in honor of and in the spirit of wine and cheese. Um, The quote that we wanted to share was, age is something that doesn't matter unless you are a cheese. (laughs) That's cute. Yeah. So listen, we're working with kids. Sometimes you have to put your kid hat back on and be a kid with them and get on their level um, to understand where they're coming from and just to get them engaged in and buy into what you guys are trying to do. And honestly, we are, we like Jesse said, oh, yeah. we are giant kids. Like, giant. we
2: have so much fun doing all the things that, like, we're like, and then I had to play Guess Who? You know, like, it's fun. Like, my day is silly. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, I have work to do. I have to restock the prize box with cool <laughs> toys. Should we get more sticky hands? You know, um, right. just have fun. <laughs>
0: sticky hands are so popular. I haven't picked those yet. But my hottest prize that I've ever had, um, it's, like, probably a tie between – Whistles and sunglasses. I
1: thought you were going to say toothbrushes. No, that's my favorite.
0: I, I have, <laughs> I put toothbrushes in and I have a prize wheel now. So like you get what you get and you don't get upset. And when kids land on toothbrush, I just, I laugh hysterically. But, but now like, I <laughs> Um, but they all, then it's like all the talk of the day. They're like, I heard so-and-so got a toothbrush earlier. I hope I don't. And I'm like, I hope you do. (laughs) So it's been quite, my
3: husband
2: husband is a pediatric (laughs) dentist. I feel like we could do some cross-promotion here oh, I could put toothbrush
0: into the <laughs> I ran out of toothbrushes yes. so you send those my way I'll do that advertising for you it's hysterical and it starts to be like almost more appealing for the kids for at least somebody in the group to get a toothbrush because and everyone has that like
1: yeah. reaction,
0: yeah. and it's quite. That's <laughs> funny, you know? I feel like dental hygiene is a. Like she's
1: practicing proper oral care as an SLP. You know, right. just saying, just saying, oral care is big. Sometimes that is that, tax deductible? Is that um, a tax deductible
0: man. expense. I'm doing my taxes on Friday, so I'm gonna pull up my whole Amazon account and be like, uh, "Well, can we deduct <laughs> all of this?"
2: Wait, do you guys have your motivational quote for us? Oh, oh, well, we, we
0: going
2: to I can you. come up
0: with one. Mine Deb is a glossary, of course. I sure am. Mine that I've been telling myself this week is you can do anything but you can't do everything. Oh, that's nice. Ooh. I'm going to give you that one. I'm going to pass <laughs> that one directly to Leah, Leah because just like at the beginning of the episode how she listed all of those things that she does, Leah does everything and she is a, you are amazing at everything you do. Oh. Yeah, but, but you guys seem great. like such a great team. You, we'll we
1: mean, I do everything. We'll
0: have to come visit you.
1: Yeah, we should. Yeah.
0: Oh, trip. I, I have nice to plug on my
2: terrible. My most important job, which I definitely just didn't even list, was I'm a mom too, so, and not like, But literally, I forgot to note that on the show. <laughs> well, you noted do it now. Give him a plug. Shout out to them. Yeah, shine yeah, and love. Me. The greatest, and you should be asleep right now, Logan. So you better not be listening. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on
1: that note, this has been another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Maria. I'm Deb. I'm Jesse. I'm Leah. And cheers. Cheers. Have a good you night. Yours. Cheers. And now a word from our sponsor.
3: Hey, ladies, I'm kind of sort of loving and openly, admittingly fangirling y'all lovely duo of SLP's Wine and Cheese. Yes, and we love listening to your podcast, First Bite. Well, thank you. I'm Michelle Dawson, and I specialize in functional but fun treatment for medically fragile kiddos, especially for those that have feeding and swallowing impairments and who use AAC devices as part of their total communication plan. On my podcast, First Bite, we discuss all topics related to early intervention and pediatric speech therapy. We address those worrisome ethics and clinical supervision concerns, as well as jump into private practice ownership and really get into the nooks and crannies of all the things in between by interviewing guest experts in the field. Then, every fourth episode, we bring it back home to my Palmetto State by having evidence based reviews of case studies or resources with my dear friend and colleague, Aaron Forward, who kind of sort of came up with this whole idea.
1: First Bite is partnered with Speech Therapy PD, offering evidence based content in a podcast. Each episode can count as one hour, Asha. See you. Find them on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts.
3: Absolutely. And thanks for all you do and for spreading joy into the world. Cheers.